The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. All righty, six minutes after 11 o'clock. Let's get this underway. Pinpoint Health Show with Dr. Lou. You want to reach out, 416-870-6400. Phone lines wide open. Are you ready to talk to you? You have pain concerns, health concerns? Talk about it. Get some answers. Get down the right road. That's why Dr. Lou is here. And if he can't answer it, he will point you in the right direction to get some answers. And uh, you can do that. Help at uh, help uh, pardon me info at pinpointhealth.ca for an email address but we prefer you just give us a call right here on the air and uh, we'll carry on from there my brother we got lots to talk about today what's uh, what's first up do you think hey john good morning um so i think it, i think it's important for us to speak about issues that we've spoken about before on the show that uh, predominantly will affect older individuals and the reason why I say that is I, I'm finding due to the whole uh, pandemic situation and healthcare, and looking at what's happening at the clinic levels and appointments, the people deferring most of their health care are actually the elderly. And, and I guess that sort of makes sense. They're probably more concerned that if they caught the virus, it would potentially um, be worse for them. And, and there's good evidence to potentially suggest that as well. I've been speaking about for the, in the last number of weeks that I don't believe health care should be deferred. Um, especially in things that, that will disproportionately affect the elderly because it beca- can become more dangerous than the virus itself in some cases. But obviously from a musculoskeletal health perspective, um, two things, and I, and I really I think we should sort of go down this path for today, and, and anybody listening that whether you are, you're going to suffer from these, whether you are suffering from these things or you know somebody, I think it's important that you call in and sort of ask your questions. But... Um, I think spinal stenosis and then arthritis of the knees, the osteoarthritis of the knees that gets to the point where people have to consider um, knee replacements are two important things that we've, we've spoken a lot about on the show. We've had numerous experts on the show as well on these topics because of how much they disproportionately affect the elderly. And it makes sense. Both of these things are both related to wear and tear of the body. So as our body ages and our joints, um, go through times they degenerate as they degenerate um the the areas where there was one space that space starts to narrow you start to get other, other bone formation which can cause can create problems and that is what leads to essentially osteoarthritis of the knee and spinal stenosis due to osteoarthritis of the spine and so these are not things that you know are per se something that happened overnight this this is a cumulative effect which is why it happens disproportionately more in the elderly because they've obviously lived a longer life, had more wear and tear on those areas, and thus, you know, the process has taken place. And it gets to a point where um, it, it's all of a sudden symptomatic. We all have that process going on, at, you know, from the minute we sort of reach skeletal maturity, our bones then and our joints start to sort of break down over a slow process. So. All of us have some form of osteoarthritis if you're over the age of 21, 22, call it mid-20s. You're all going to have some level of degeneration. A lot of times, it's, it, most of the times in the young, it's not significant. Sometimes for particular reasons like trauma or other autoimmune diseases, maybe things are expedited and it becomes more significant. But if we're just dealing with the normal wear and tear, that takes a long time 
to sort of catch up and create problems. And that tends to happen, you know, in the sixth decade of life, the seventh, the eighth, and obviously in the ninth uh, decade of life is, is where these things and the longer you'll live, the more likely these will be problems uh, that you'll face, which, which again, sort of makes sense when you understand the, the underlying pathophysiology of it. The thing is with these things, sorry, John. No, I was just going to say, you know, it's interesting that you nailed those two, spinal stenosis and osteoarthritis in the knees. And we've talked about this before. It's the price you pay for, uh, you know, as opposed to being a quadruped, you get to look over the tall grass walking on two legs, but there's a cost to it, right? And that's yeah, it. exactly. Gravity is going to take that effect. Um, and, and, again, you know, we sort of said last week that we're not designed for, for 2020. We're probably designed for, you know, 10, 15, 20,000 years ago as a human body, and we weren't living as long as we are now. And so it makes sense why these chronic issues uh, are issues that we're now facing that once upon a time, we wouldn't have worried about that, right? And so it'll take time, a long time for our bodies um, to catch up from an evolutionary perspective. But in the meantime, the question becomes, what do we do in the meantime? So let's start, let's not go back and forth between the two. I'll I'll sort of pick one. We'll start Mm -hmm. with one and then we can transition. But let's start at, you know, higher order. So let's start at spinal stenosis. Spinal stenosis is um, a spine condition, as the name would suggest, where the canals where the nerves come out of of the spine and then go into the legs those canals start to uh, become smaller through the degenerative process because, as I said, what degeneration is is that joint space starts to decrease, the bones become uh, deformed, and more bone potentially is laid down. So you've all of a sudden, if you could imagine a hole and the nerve coming through that hole, in an ideal scenario, that nerve would take up about a third of the space of that hole. So it has a lot of uh, mobility to move around, two-thirds. As time goes by, that that relative proportion to one another is going to get smaller and smaller. And so finally, you get to a point where all of a sudden, the space that that nerve is taking up in that hole is probably closer maybe to a one-to-one ratio, where now it's got pressure on it. So people with spinal stenosis and where it's symptomatic will often describe that if they're, this is sort of a hallmark thing that we look for. So they're unable to walk for long periods of time because they start getting pain in their legs and, and neurological types of things, whether it's, it's very quick fatigue, numbness, tingling, soreness, these types of things. And then the minute they sit down, they start to feel better. And again, on the radio, it's sort of difficult to, to give you the models for this, but those holes, it, when you go into spinal flexion, they actually open up. And that's why sitting tends to be beneficial for these types of individuals. And that's sort of a hallmark feature that, healthcare professionals will listen for is if someone comes in and says, you know, I've got this leg pain that's been bothering me. They're an older individual. And and they say, you know, every time I'm walking and and the minute I start walking, I can get 50 yards and I start developing this. Now, some people it's very severe because again, this is a progressive process, which means it's on a spectrum, which means in the early stages, it's not as bad. Maybe it's at certain points, you'll feel that depending on what you're doing. And then as it gets, you know, when they get to, end stage, sometimes people can't even walk anymore because of how debilitated it becomes in their legs. The point of me bringing this up is I'd like people to recognize the early symptoms because like anything, if you can recognize the problem earlier, you can intervene earlier. And although this is not something you can't cure spinal stenosis, but there are ways to manage it. And that's an important thing. So the earlier you understand that this is what may be going on with you, if these are the types of symptoms that you have, 
the earlier you, you take note of that, the earlier you can start the interventions that are required to manage it, and the better you can do with the prognosis and potentially slow down the effects of it so that hopefully you never get to that end, end stage where all of a sudden you can't use your legs anymore because the spinal pressure is so severe. And those are the points where surgery becomes uh, probably the best management option because even the management within spinal stenosis exists on a spectrum. And, you know, surgery is an option if it's bad enough. But, but again, as we'd always want to do, we want to use that as a last resort. And if we can use more conservative measures to help uh, mitigate the symptoms and help the person control their symptoms and help the person to manage uh, their life, then I think that should always be the goal first. 416-870-6400. We'll continue that discussion, but calls are always a uh, top priority. Richard, thanks for standing by. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. Good morning. What's, uh, what's your concern? Yeah, I'm dead in the 2012 on, on a high-rise building. 34 floor in the air, pinned by a power washing machine. And the machine ran over my body for around 15 minutes, and four guys come try to pull it off of me and couldn't move. Oh. And since from that day now, a couple of weeks after I find a bubble under my right feet, foot button, in the right hip is a lot of pain, and I don't know when I try to pull the machine, shift the machine around if I get injured in the hip, but it pain me a lot, cannot walk. I lump in the foot bottom. Anytime I try to walk, it gives me a problem right up to the spine cord, straight to, right, straight to my neck. And I'm then, so sorry, what, what's the question? So the question I would like to know, what would really cost? Because I realize I have two put this. And the doctor then couldn't do nothing about it because they do not want to do the operation. And from that, the part, this thing gives me a hard time because sometimes I make funny move and I can feel them, and it very hurts. So I'm sorry, I, maybe I misunderstood. The question is, you're asking me what can you do for this? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, so there's there's information that you've given me. It's very hard to say specifically what you can do because I haven't assessed you in order to, to, to understand the extent of the problems. But clearly you had a severe trauma. That severe trauma had clearly has had an effect on your body. Now, one of the issues becomes is that when you have these types of severe traumas and car accidents are another good example, we're always looking for a, an objective injury. And what I mean by an objective injury is something like a fracture. It's very easy to find a fracture and say, oh, look, there's a fracture, and that's the cause of the pain, and that's simple. When yeah, it comes to muscular, I'm sorry? My one was a power wash machine, and pin me. No, no, I, I understand, but I'm, I'm sort of giving the example that the oh. other issue that exists is muscles undergo injuries as well, and they're not as easy to objectify as, as something like a fracture. And so a lot of times... People sort of like if they don't see an objective thing, like if they look at, at an image and they don't see an, a, you know, a, a fracture or something like that, they say, okay, well, there's no problem here. That's not the case. Muscles can be injured and it's more of a functional problem. So I guess what I'm saying to you is, number one, I don't know exactly uh, what you can do if I don't assess you. And number two, there's a lot of different things that you'd have to consider with that type of significant trauma and understanding the full extent of what's going on. And once you can understand that full extent, a health professional understands that, it's really up to whoever your professional is, whoever your healthcare uh, provider is, 
to give you the recommendations that are required? Did your doctor recommend therapy, anything like that? Well, I was going to therapy one at a time, and they sent me from the therapy straight to emergency because the body was swelling so much, and them said they couldn't continue to do the therapy. And then after that, now last year, I was taking my bike to see if I could do some exercise and going to get some meat to make some soup. A, a guy hit me off the bike back way and took off and never stopped. And then now the left side of the body, the whole body now, is all nothing but pain. So I guess my question is, though, have you continued to do therapy? Have you continued to seek advice from professionals, whether, whoever that may be or not? Well, both of them stopped the therapy because since the sickness here started, yeah, I, there's no therapy for me. They do not. One of the last time they called me in and they said, well, then they have about eight sessions for me. And when I go in, just let me sign a paper and they never do anything and they send me back home. Yeah. But no, yeah. Not. Again, it's, it's hard for me to say what you, I, I'd have to assess you if that's something you're interested in. You can absolutely give us a call or I can have someone call you. But I, I would have to understand the extent of the case in order to determine what the best course of action is. But um, it sounds like there's a lot there, and that's, and that's really why uh, a personalized assessment is the best option. Frank, appreciate the call. Going to let you go. It is uh, pinpointhealth.ca. If you want to reach out, by the way, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, to follow up. Frank, suggest you do. And uh, your phone calls as well, just like Frank. Get some answers. 416-870-6400, Pinpoint Health Show, Global News Radio. And welcome back, Pinpoint Health Show at 1121-416-870-6400. You have pain and health concerns, call that number. You still have lots of time here on the show this morning. You want to reach out, info at pinpointhealth.ca and one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. We uh, sticking with the stenosis, or are we working our way down the uh, the rickety old body to the knees, pal? Where are we going? Well, well let's let's go to the knees for now. Yeah. Um, so, so the knees. There's another area, right? Obviously, now we've we've sort of gone through this before, where the knees, from a mechanical perspective, are a hinge joint, which means it can move one of two ways, mm-hmm. um, in between two other joints that are very mobile, the hip and the the ankle, and so. That liberty of movement in those in those uh, at the ends um, create in the middle the knee an area where there's a lot of different pressures um, that will create eventual wear and tear and and so this is one of those things again similar to spinal stenosis where um, if we live long enough our knees degenerate for some people they degenerate quicker and that a lot of that has to do with and and again this doesn't mean even with spinal stenosis. It doesn't mean that if, as soon as everybody gets to a certain age, everybody would have this. It all does very much matter to your specific genetics, your, your specific body makeup, the things you've done in your life that will predispose you to these types of things becoming more significant. Because, I mean, there's plenty of people out there that can get to 90 years old and never have knee issues or spinal right. stenosis issues. So this isn't like it's something that happens in everybody. But the, when it does happen, it happens in a lot of people and it makes sense. And again, the reason why it makes sense is the wear and tear of the, of the knees. Now, when it comes to the knees, again, sort of going back to spinal stenosis and trying to consider the early symptoms of this so that that way you, if, if this is something that's potentially affecting you, you can start to take note of this. So, you know, when it comes to knee osteoarthritis, um, some of the things to look for are obviously knee pain, right? Are your knees bothering you? Uh, like a, a general stiffness, are they are they stiff in the morning? Do they swell at all? Uh, are you an older individual? 
especially if you're an older individual and you were very active once upon a time, you may have been a runner or you played soccer or anything where there was a lot of pressure on those knees would probably predispose you to, to having osteoarthritis sooner. So, you know, again, not, not all the times that you have knee pain and swelling is it due to osteoarthritis, but it's something to consider, especially if you're elderly. That's where you leave it up to a healthcare professional to figure out the specifics of it. But let's say you do get it investigated and you see, yep, there's osteoarthritis going on here. The next question becomes, well, what do you do, right? Again, surgery is the end stage. So when people have severe osteoarthritis of their knees, they end up getting knee replacements and it, and it works quite well. You'd want to prevent that, right? These are mechanical pieces that don't last forever. And if you have to get it too young, you might have to get it done two or three times in the remainder of your life. And that's never ideal because anytime you do something that often, it, its effects are never as great as if you only did it once. And also as you get older and then undergoing surgery, the, the sort of the specifics around that change in terms of prognosis and how likely you are to recover. And so if you can minimize to having that done you know, once that's, that's an ideal scenario and even more ideal would be not getting it done at all. Um, so a lot of the times with early interventions, again, it's conservative in nature where, and this is very similar. The approach is very similar to spine stuff. The, the most conservative things you can do is physical therapies, right? And, and strengthening and rehabilitation, all things that you can do to your body yourself or do externally to the body without becoming invasive. Then you can get into more uh, invasive procedures like injections, which are not, you know, extremely invasive, but they're minimally invasive. So injections might be an option to consider to help manage the issue. And then as you progress through it, then surgery might be the last most, um, most invasive option. So these things exist on a spectrum. But again, I'm, I'm a proponent in, when it comes to pain and injury, and, and most people that deal in this world are, 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 the, are the same way as I am. You want to try to do the stuff that's most conservative before you would jump to the stuff that's, that's least conservative. And, and, and even, even a spine surgeon will tell you that, right? The, the spine surgeons that I, I, I'm part of a program uh, with the Ministry for, um, for Low Back Pain, and, and even the surgeons there will want to avoid surgery if they can. No, nobody should have to undergo spine surgery or knee surgery if it's not something that's absolutely necessary. Now, that, the, the other side of the coin is also true, where I meet people that are at a point where, you know, surgery is probably their only option, and they say, well, I don't want to do that uh, because they're afraid of surgery. Again, sometimes it's the best option. No one could force you on what you should or should not do. But a healthcare professional, and, and, and I'm going to speak for myself, my job is to give anybody that I see the best possible recommendation that I can. So sometimes I see people and I tell them that they should be doing conservative therapy. Sometimes I see people and telling them they should now jump to a minimal uh, invasive procedure like injections. And then other times I see people and I say, you should be going for surgery. I don't say that because I just feel like saying it. I say it because I see where someone sits on the spectrum and where they're, where they're most likely to benefit because if you're very, very severe in one of those two things, then the conservative options are likely not going to work. And so, you know, I don't want to waste anybody's time. So my job, again, any healthcare professional's job, and I'm speaking mainly for myself, is to really give the best possible evidence-driven advice to someone. And that's really what I try to do. 416-870-6400, the number to call in, not just if you have knee issues, but any uh, pain issues as well. Give us a call here on the Pinpoint Health Show. We are Live and uh, got open lines for you. You know, this is always a, a, a good prescription for life in general or for health in general. That is keeping your weight in check. But specifically with the knees, I mean, 
I'm sure there's some sort of calculation for every 10 pounds of overweight, it puts excess amount of pressure, you know, on, on the knees and the spine. I'm sure there's a number that or a calculation that'll figure that out. But are you a big proponent of one of the early, early, um, I guess, uh, ways to treat this sort of pain is just if you have to drop some weight, if you've been recommended to, uh, to lighten the load on your knees. I mean, that's one of the early things that that's least invasive that you could start by doing, right? Yeah, listen, anything that's sort of, you know, the waist below, any problems there, low back, hips, knees, ankles. I mean, it's very simple that, you know, understanding mass matters towards force. Uh, That's like a simple rule in physics. So obviously, the more mass there is in something, the more force there is in something. So obviously, that's a great way to control anything, especially, you know, and again, this isn't to say that people who are in the right weight category don't suffer from these things sure. but definitely you're right if, if you are suffering from those types of issues and you know that you're overweight then yeah an initial way to get that under control is get the weight under control if you can cut the weight every time you lose weight you're just going to have less pressure and less force going through those areas of the body and that's not going to be bad for you that's going to be beneficial now again that doesn't mean it's the it's the cure right like if you've got severe osteoarthritis and you lose weight, that doesn't mean that the osteoarthritis stops or, you know, you don't have any more problems, but you're absolutely right. It's part of the management. And that's really what these things come down to. And that's a, that's a term that I, I use a lot on the show. I use it all the time is management. That's what we're doing with most of these musculoskeletal issues that create pain and injury. It's really about management, especially when we're dealing with chronic degenerative issues like we're speaking about today. Those things, the, the idea of a cure is the wrong way to think about this. And I get people who come to see me all the time and say, like, I'm coming to see you because, you know, I, you're, you're going to be the person that's going to take this away from me. And, and I always caution people right away. And I say that you're don't, there are no gimmicks here. There's no yeah. gimmicks that I provide. I provide real advice that's evidence driven. And, and really I'm a big proponent of there's a lot of things that we can manage. And these are things that we can manage. You, you can manage something so well that it seems like it's not even there and you perceive the idea of a cure. That's possible, but it doesn't mean it's gone. So sometimes people with severe osteoarthritis to the knee or mild, moderate osteoarthritis, it can be managed so well that it doesn't bother them. That doesn't mean that we've cured the osteoarthritis. The osteoarthritis is there. What we've done is done a very good job of controlling the symptoms. And so that's, very important that's not insignificant and so uh, it's really about people understanding the physiology the pathophysiology of what's going on one of the biggest deficiencies that i see is people are given these diagnoses but they're never explained what the diagnosis is it's just a term that they hear right so you know they'll say yeah my doctor told me i have spinal stenosis but then the the, my next follow-up question is well do you know what that is and and they'll say besides knowing that it's in the spine no i don't know what it is And that's a real tragedy, in my opinion. The fact that we're not taking the time to explain these things to people is really what hurts someone's prognosis very much because education and empowerment are part of every treatment plan. If you look at the scientific evidence for any musculoskeletal injury and you look at the things that can help to manage that musculoskeletal problem, education and empowerment is always on the list. The, the power that comes out of that is huge. When somebody can understand what's going on, number one, it takes away anxiety. 
right? Because a lot of a lot of these problems are attributed to people being anxious because they don't understand and they don't understand the real place where they sit, right? When you hear something like spinal stenosis, that's a very scary term. People don't understand where on the, the, the spectrum of seriousness that may exist. And I'm not saying it's not serious, but most people develop anxiety because they wonder if this is something that will kill them or leave them severely disabled or whatever. And that's not always the case. And so it's important to educate people, number one, to mitigate their anxieties. Number two, when you understand what's going on, a lot of these musculoskeletal issues have, 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 have movement patterns that are beneficial and they have movement patterns that are not good. And it's like being in school. If you try to memorize something and not understand it, it's always harder than if you understand it. And so yeah. when you could show someone with spinal stenosis why flexion is beneficial for them and they understand it, then they don't have to memorize it, right? You're not trying to make somebody memorize, okay, flexion is good, flexion is good, and it's just a phrase for them. No, you're making them understand it so that they know, okay, yeah, no, I know why this is good for me. It makes sense. So then if I do it in this way, this is better. And, da, da. and so understanding creates that level of knowledge and power as well, because at that point you understand what's going on and you know the right things to do. So, so education and empowerment. And the last part is the empowerment component where people are given a diagnosis and, and it's just sort of like they almost feel like they're being told it's game over. A lot of the times that's not the case, and I'm very realistic when I see somebody and give them a diagnosis. I tell them that, you know, I've said to people, yeah, you've got spinal stenosis. The great news is, though, that it's so early on that you could do the right things to manage this, and it doesn't have to be an immense burden on your life. And that's empowerment, right? When you give people that education, that advice, you empower them to be better for themselves as well. Paul, Mike. Stand by, fellas. We'll get to your calls. I know you're waiting there. We'll get to you right after a short break as we continue here at Pinpoint Health Show, 416-870-6400. Taking a short break, and we'll come right back. Global News Radio. And thanks for hanging on through the break. 416-870-6400 is the way we roll on the Pinpoint Health Show, and we're going to get to uh, Paul. Paul, thanks for hanging on, fella. Good afternoon, or at least good morning. How are you? Yeah, hi. Good, thanks. I'm um, just wondering, uh, what's your opinion on, like, Scott's uh tendonitis in my uh, right elbow. I do use it quite a bit for uh, twisting and turning for work, but my left my left elbow is feeling the same thing, and I hardly use that. I was wondering, could it be diagnosed? Is there any tests I can do? Or what would you recommend for tendonitis? It's just, I've had it for quite a while, and um, it's very, very irritating. Yeah, so my, my first question is, you're assuming that it's tendonitis, right? Uh, I did see my doctor, and he basically, you know, he didn't do much. He just kind of felt it and asked me a couple of questions, and he said, yeah, it's tendonitis, but there's no actual in-depth diagnosis. If I don't even know if there's any x-rays or anything like that that can be done to uh, say that it's not tendonitis. Yeah, it's funny because that term tendonitis suggests inflammation, and when you look at things around the elbow, um, and you actually look at the evidence, it's more what we would classify a tendinosis or a tendinalgia uh, because there's really no inflammatory perspective. So, like, right off the bat, when it comes to, like, as soon as you hear people say stuff like that, to me it's already a sign that it's they're not up to date with the most recent evidence on these types of issues. 
And so the idea that it's inflammatory is likely not the case. Um, it's likely more wear and tear um, and repetitive strain sprain types of presentations. A- anytime someone starts to get the same symptoms bilaterally, um, I always start to consider potentially autoimmune causes to that. Not likely, but it is something to consider. But, you know, sort of to answer your question, I would say that number one, seeing the right people to get the right diagnosis when it comes to these musculoskeletal issues is probably the best bet. I know most people, their first line of defense is like a walk-in clinic or their family doctor. I think, you know, and, and that's and that's a good place to start. But, but you know, they, you have to understand their jobs are very much to know a lot of different things, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of different things, and they're not really specialists in any one thing. I think, you know, there's an abundance of resources with chiropractors and physiotherapists out there that are specializing in this type of stuff, and they would likely be much better at musculoskeletal types of diagnoses um, and then the recommendations for it. Because, again, I hear this sort of a lot where it's like, you know, I went to a walk-in clinic. They told me I had tendinitis. They gave me naproxen and told me not to use it for X amount of time, and then people don't get better, and they're sort of like, you know, is there anything else? There's a lot of something else, um, that, and that's really not the right way to go about it. So I would say your first best bet is, is get the right assessment and diagnosis from from someone who's going to look at it a little more in depth and, you know, potentially pinpoint health could be that solution for you if you like. And, and, you know, we could definitely have someone call you, but again, uh, just understanding that there's other professionals out there that are probably better equipped is, is, is a good place to start. Paul, appreciate your time. one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, to reach out info at pinpointhealth.ca. Going to move on down to, to Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks for uh, standing by. Good morning. Good morning. I was just wondering, people who drive for a living, what sort of issues do they will, will they experience later on in life in terms of their joints and, uh, and stuff? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. So, so again, let, let me preface that by saying nothing is ever absolute, right? Because you can have people who drive for a living their whole lives and they'll never experience anything. Um, and, and so it, it's not like, you know, what are some things that it could predispose you to? I mean, sitting is never good for the spine, right? Low back pain. So a lot of times, and that's whether you're sitting in a car or at a desk job, but, you know, equally so, I meet people who are very physically active and they also have back pain too. But definitely sitting when it comes to low back issues is is a big thing. Um, That's probably, you know, holding a steering wheel, holding your shoulders up could potentially uh, cause some upper extremity types of issues in terms of of wear and tear, Um, you know, in terms of the lower extremity joints, uh, you know, you're not really things like hips and knees and ankles are really more about like excessive force through those areas. I, there's not a lot of force going through when you're driving. So I don't, I can't think of it theoretically making sense, but that's sort of what I would say. I guess that would be my, my sort of, um, I don't have the research in front of me. So that's my, my best guess at it right now. Um, but again, you know, going back to what I originally started with is, is none of these things tell you that you will get an issue. It's just, it may predispose you to those issues. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Mike. Appreciate that. And I guess if you're a tractor trailer driver and you're double clutching the whole time, I mean, I guess you might run into some knee or leg pain, I guess, or if you're part of the 4% that still drives a, you know, a standard car possibly. Right. 
Well, and, and the yeah. other thing, sort of, John, it goes back to the, the point you brought up. Maybe if you're driving all the time, you're not very active, so you're putting on weight, mm-hmm. and then that weight yeah. is contributing to your knee issues. So there's other ways that it may predispose you to knee issues outside of being in the car itself, gotcha. which is why it's why it's always hard to say that. But I think I think the important point to understand here is, like, you know, everything predisposes you to something, right? And then, like, again, our bodies aren't designed for the world we're living in, and so these things are just the reality of what we do, right? Like, people love to play golf, and, and yet they, they get golfer's elbow. And, again, that's a, a repetitive strain sprain of something. And, and, again, it's because we're really not designed to do those types of things. People love right. to go running, and they develop, you know, plantar fasciitis and runner's knee. And, and again, that's a wear and tear uh, repetitive sprain, sprain type of presentation. So I, I think the important point here to understand is that if you want to be alive and you want to enjoy yourself, you, you've sort of got to accept that you're going to be predisposed to pain and injury. In fact, we often uh, will call pain the, the sixth vital sign because it's something that tells you you're alive. Um, and, and so I think the best thing to do is what are the ways that you can do all the things that you love to do or the things that are necessary, like with work, and, and at the same time not put yourself at greater risk. Like how can you manage these things? And that's where professionals can really provide that expertise, right? Because, like, obviously it would be easy for me to say to someone who loves to golf, well, just don't golf, right? And then, and then it's like, yeah, but sure, that may solve the problem, but then I don't get to do something that I love. So where's the in-between? And that's what, what healthcare professionals and what Pinpoint Health um, specifically provide. It's really how do you continue to do all the things that you love in a world where, unfortunately, pain and injury is almost the reality with everything. What are the, what are the ways that you can manage that? Let's take a short break. Mike, stand by. Dave, stand by. Fellows, we'll get to you after we take a break. Just hang on to your phone, 416-870-6400 is the number. Hell, uh, info at pinpointhealth.ca to reach out to uh, Dr. Lou outside of the show. And, uh, by the way, the long-form podcast can be found. The Lou Down is what you're going to be searching for in that regard. We'll continue. Pinpoint Health Show right here, Global News Radio. We are back. It's 1149 and 416-870-6400 is the number. Moving on to the phones, always. Mike, thanks for standing by. Good morning. Go ahead. Good morning. Hey, Mike. Yep, go ahead. Um, okay, just a quick question. I had, um, oh, what do they call it, Auto, autoscopic surgery on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Oh, shoulder, okay. Okay, and... Um, that was a month ago on Friday, but uh, or last Friday. But the thing is still driving me insane. You know, okay. I'm, is it normal? Is what normal that it's still driving you insane? Yeah, that I still have the pain. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to speak with the people that you've been seeing about that. I don't know the extent of why you had that surgery um, and what their plan was. Um, well, it, I can't. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, sorry, they did. Um, uh, it was on my shoulder. You know, they. Yeah, no, uh, I understand that, but the question becomes: Why did they think that was the best option? And then, sort of, what was their idea? Like, what is the surgeon's intent? Um, is there rehab that you should be doing following the surgery, which is likely? And are you doing it? No, they never. They never said to go to rehab or anything else. Yeah. Well. See, this is the type of stuff that's always very concerning to me. 
Um, I, I mean, any surgeon that I work with will always recommend therapy following a surgery. It's extremely important. So the fact that you're not doing that is of concern to me. Now, there may be, this is why it's important to understand someone's full health history before making recommendations and why I don't make recommendations on the radio. There may be a reason why they didn't recommend that, but in general, uh, you should be doing that stuff. So, you know, it's very hard for me to say why your shoulder would still be hurting. A lot of the times what I can tell you, here's the unfortunate reality too, and this may not be your case, but, but I, you know, sort of as a topic for discussion and to think about is a lot of times people want to have surgery to eliminate pain. Surgery doesn't often work well to eliminate pain. It works very well to improve function. And so function may be better, but pain levels may not change as a result of surgery. And then, again, this is why it's important to to understand this stuff before you make a choice around surgery. Um, And, again, I don't know the specifics of your case. I'm happy to go through it with you uh, in person, off air, if you like. Uh, in an assessment format, but it's not something that I can really comment on on right now. But in general, from what I'm hearing, I'm sort of surprised that you haven't been recommended to do therapy. And I don't know if that's for a specific reason, which may very well be the case, but you'd have to find that out. Okay. Okay. Oh, thanks. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. You want to reach out again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Do so. And info at pinpointhealth.ca. Going to move on to uh, to Dave. Hi, Dave. Thanks for standing by. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, Hi. I'm I'm calling. I'm 60 years old, and I've been suffering with arthritis in my left hip. Okay. And I've it's been you know at least five years, and I've had X-rays, and I, at this stage, I've actually had X-rays that a, a surgeon has looked at. And what I've been told is that I, I there's no cartilage uh, left, and he called it bone on bone arthritis. Okay. Yep. And he okay. said that, uh, and also I know that apparently my left leg is shorter, slightly okay. shorter. That yep. had been the cause of this, but my right hip is fine. So this left hip is the trouble, and. He's saying cortisone shot probably wouldn't work, wouldn't be worth it, and he's recommending a hip replacement. And I okay. just wanted to sort of just get your opinion. Um, is that my last resort, a hip replacement? And I'm interested into what you just said about surgery doesn't always eliminate pain. Like he said it will. He said a hip replacement will eliminate the pain. Yeah, and, and it depends on where the pain is with hip surgery. So all surgeries are different. Um, is it your last option? I can't comment if something is specifically your last option because, again, I have not seen you. What yeah. I can tell you in general as a blanket term is that when people have severe osteoarthritis of their hip, then hip replacements often work well. Typically what will happen is people will either complain of two types of pain with their hips. Either they'll say it's sort of an anterior, which means front, very sharp, specific groin pain, um, or they'll say that it's more generalized pain in the back through the butt and the lower back and the higher part of the leg. Where do you feel more of your pain? Um, more in the um, front groin. Yeah. Okay. Definitely so that, not that in, is- in the back. It's, it's more yeah. like in the, uh, actually where the 
the joint yeah. is. So, so that's good. That joint. I feel it yeah. in the groin sometimes. So that is the area of pain that will likely improve with a hip replacement if that's what you need. So that that is, he's right about that. But see, this is where I'm saying you have to understand the function of the body. And, and, and so that's why he has said to you that it will help with that pain and, and it should likely help with that pain. So that's sort of my general advice. Um, if you want me specifically to comment on your case, uh, again, I'm happy to see you, but I, I can't just do that over the radio without sort of looking yeah. at what the other options are. In general, with severe osteoarthritis, I would say that cortisone injections don't work that well either. Um, no. So, you know, it sounds like it's probably what you'll need, but I, I obviously can't be certain over the radio. Yeah, and then it, I, everybody I went to see always said it's odd that only one hip no, not arthritis. Usually you get it in both. And no. do you think that it was that, that my leg is shorter? Over yeah, of course. So, so when one leg is shorter, that's going to take more pressure. Yeah, that makes yeah. perfect sense. And, yeah, that's probably the exact reason why one has degenerated quicker than the other. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. No problem. Thanks for your time, Dave. If you want to reach out further, you know how to do that. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at pinpointhealth.ca. Last uh, minute of the show here, pal. Take it home for us. Uh, some advice for people. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the one piece of advice that I can give to everybody is give me a call, right? Like one eight five 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 doctor Lou D R L O U, and this is the type of stuff that's done off air as well, pointing people um, in the right direction and sort of you know figuring out if you're wondering you know for your pain and injury what's going on, are you on the right track? Could there be something different that's being done? Um, it can start with a simple phone call, right? And there's no uh, there's no fee for that and and you, you can get maybe pointed in the right direction. Maybe I might say, come see me, or I might say, you know, you're, it sounds like you're doing the right things. Uh, give a little bit of advice around it, and people can sort of take that. But I, I think it's a pretty um, it's a pretty good service that I offer for, for in general for people if they just want to have a quick call and, and, and sort of see what's going on with them and, and see if there's any, any way that more can be added to it pinpointhealth.ca that's where you can start on the website you can book an appointment on the top right or simply reach out one 855 doctor Lou is a good way info at pinpointhealth.ca and don't forget the Lou Down is a long form podcast series as well we'll catch you next time on the Pinpoint Health Show right here on Global News Radio the preceding program is a specialty program unless otherwise identified the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto